This is Pods Unknown, and we have a lot of fun on this show. We're wrestling fans. We love professional wrestling and the people who love it and the people who create it. At the time of recording this episode, we had started to see reports that Scott Hall had suffered multiple heart attacks. And now, by the time this episode has gone live, Scott Hall has passed away. One of the true great in-ring performers, an innovator, and someone who helped start an entire era. Rest in peace, bad guy. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last. Bad guys do. Icon versus Icon. The end of an era. The biggest baby face in the world was about to battle the biggest heel in the business. Until, of course, 68,000 Canadians changed the story. This is Pods Unknown, WrestleMania 18. One epic encounter. Do you people want to see the immortal Hulk Hogan go one-on-one with the Great One? That no one could have imagined. A match for the ages! Has become reality. Hulk Hogan. What makes you think you're even in my league? The Rock. The matchup that will determine who will go down in history as being the absolute best ever. WrestleMania, live March 17th on Pay-Per-View. In the red corner, from parts unknown. WrestleMania 18, the Skydome in Toronto, March 17th, 2002. My name is Sideshow. This is Pods Unknown, joined as always by Sam Hudson. Hello. And Justin Cousineau. What's up? <laughs> you was that a throwback to 2002, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Justin uh, and myself were part of the 68,000 people strong at uh, the Skydome that day. We were. That's cool, guys. Yeah, it was a good time, Sam. Where were you? Uh, at home watching on pay-per-view because my parents thought it was a phase. How'd that pro wrestling phase go for you, Sam? Uh, you know, it went went by pretty quickly. I'm not that into it anymore. So it was a record breaking attendance for the Sky Dome, breaking the record they set at WrestleMania six, sixty eight thousand two hundred thirty seven, grossing approximately six point one million dollars that night. Canadian or U.S.? Uh, that's, that's a big Canadian. difference. That's Canadian, Canadian dollars. dollars. I so should that's say that is Canadian dollars. 7,500 US dollars. <laughs> At the same time, 860,000 pay-per-view buys. Wow. Wow. And this crowd couldn't have been any more 2002 if they tried. Uh, it was almost painful how much this crowd looked like they belonged at a Limp Biscuit concert, <laughs> but it was the 2002 crowd to end all 2002 crowds, I'll tell you. It was a celebration. <laughs> Sounded great on TV as well. In uh, The other thing I found really interesting about this was how fast it moved. This show, yes. for being almost four hours long, we saw in an hour and a half saw five matches, two musical performances, and the hardcore title change hands twice. Right. That's in an hour wow. and a half. This was kind of the peak of, um, you know, you give it to them quick. Just quick hits. Bang, 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 bang. Crash TV. Make it happen yeah. fast. Don't uh, don't leave me hanging. Just don't bore us. Get to the chorus. And that is exactly what they did at uh, WrestleMania 18. I want to start with Sam as... Uh, you know, someone who wasn't there in the building. Oh, Sam wasn't there? Yeah. Just, oh. just rub it in, guys. This, this is, is going to come up a lot here, Sam. Um, oh, good. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's 
not a sore spot from my childhood or anything. Rewatching WrestleMania 18. Is it the way you remembered it? Well, it's watching it through the pods unknown lens is a little bit different, but I had a lot of fun watching it. It's uh, I remember watching it that night with disdain towards my parents. That's not true. But, uh, you know, I was I was incredibly upset not being there. And I remember just trying to soak in the feeling of like watching it, what it would be like live. And obviously that's a little bit different now, but still just like you can feel the atmosphere, especially in one particular match. And it just you feel almost part of the crowd even when you're watching it on tv 20 years removed even justin i'm very interested in your take on this as someone who was there watching it through the eyes of someone who was there now watching it all these years later 20 years later in uh in the broadcast form uh so being there despite the fact that this is an incredible wrestlemania on tape being in that building was a different energy that I've never really successfully been able to describe. Uh, 68,000 people running on nothing but Hulkamania. Like I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. The, the, the atmosphere in that building. I, I've been in the Sky Dome or in Rogers Center for many big Blue Jays games, many big moments there. That emotion, that Hulkamania emotion that we were all running on may never be captured again. It was it was an amazing feeling, so much so that when I got home from WrestleMania that night, we arrived about 4 o'clock in the morning. I called my best friend Rob, and I said, I need you to bring the tape over. I have to see Rock and Hogan right now. And there he was 10 minutes later with the tape, and we watched it. I watched it again that night. Looking back on it now, I obviously we've all watched it before. We've watched the, uh, we've watched the broadcast version before. Uh, I look back on it again uh, this time, and it's a very different feel than it was in the building. Now, Rock and Hogan, as you as you mentioned, Justin, in the broadcast, does capture some of that emotion and some of that that feeling, obviously to a smaller extent. But it definitely felt different watching it, um, watching the broadcast version, the one that was on yeah. TV, compared to what I saw from the. 500 or 1100 level of the sky dome <laughs> from as high as I could possibly be in that building. Um, I, the, the, you know, it, it was a different experience watching it this way. There were a lot of matches on this card first and foremost, and some of them I don't really recall live rock and Hogan. I can still close my eyes and picture what it looked like from my seat. Um, there are a few of those moments that I can still look back and picture what it looked like from my seat. Some of these, the only memory I have of them is the broadcast version. Interesting. Intercontinental Championship match, William Regal and Rob Van Dam. There was a European title match, Diamond Dallas Page and Christian. Hardcore title match, Maven and Goldust, which turned into about eight hardcore title matches over the course of the evening, which I'm sure we'll get to. And I, I love that part of it. I thought that was fun. A singles match between Kane and Kurt Angle. No DQ, Undertaker and Ric Flair. Uh, Booker T and Edge, uh, which was a nice uh, nice homecoming match for Edge as well. Austin and Scott Hall. There was a fatal four-way elimination tag match with Billy and Chuck, uh, the APA, the Dudleys, and the Hardy Boys. Then, of course, the match I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time on, Hollywood Hogan and The Rock. And then after that, the one that I do remember very clearly, just because it happened 
after the biggest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. And that yeah. was the, the the women's triple threat match, Jazz, Trish Stratus, and Lita, followed by the undisputed world heavyweight title match, Chris Jericho and Triple H. It was a it was a big card. Throw on top of that several musical performances. Backstage segments, promos, videos. It's amazing. When I looked at the time of this, I went, Jesus, it's almost four hours long. Looking back at it, I'm surprised they fit all of that in under four hours. And I mean, there have been several four-hour WrestleManias since, and there were just a few four-hour WrestleManias before. I would argue all of them feel their four hours except this one. This one flies by. Like, there's just... There's so many things to sink your teeth into. Everything had purpose. Everything had reason. And it has the biggest match in professional wrestling history. It, it does fly by. I, I would agree because the entire time watching it, it like you said, Side Joe, it was like, this is four hours. Like, all right, strap in. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're showing Rock and Hogan and you're like, I'm here already. And then, you know, then <laughs> Triple H and Jericho are coming out. You're like, I guess we're at the end of the show. Here we go. So and it, it does keep your attention the entire time. Let's get into the honors. There's going to be some of these that we shouldn't even bother doing, but it's part of the show, and that's what we're going to do. The The match <laughs> of the strap night. Strap in. <laughs> now, I mean, the match of the night can mean something different to, to everyone. So I feel like this is a valid category. Match of the night, uh, my uh, nominees are going to be Hogan and Rock, Y2J and Triple H. I'll, go, I'll throw Undertaker and Ric Flair in there as a, as a nominee. Yeah. And I'd also throw in the Fatal 4-Way Tag Match. I'm kind of surprised you didn't put Stone Cold Steve Austin and Scott Hall in there just for the magnitude of the match. Like, I understand it wasn't wasn't great, but I mean, you had the NWO who's fresh off their debut, Scott Hall being a bigger name and Kevin Nash at ringside, along with arguably the guy who launched WrestleMania into the stratosphere. Like WrestleMania was always big, but as we've talked about before, 13, 14, you know, 15, 17 these are these are austin shows so um surprised that it's not on there i mean i would i wouldn't have voted for it either but i would definitely nominate it i'll I'll tell you right now that we are going to get to the reason i didn't put that on there uh a little later on probably in rebooking or something i i I, so like i do have a reason that that's not on my that that's not even on the radar for me the nominations you provided sideshow like they're great but it's just you know it's rock and hogan there's no other answer here (laughs) I think so. I mean, is it the match of the night? I mean, it's definitely the spectacle of the night. It's definitely the moment of the night. I'd argue maybe match of the night is Y2J and Triple H. Well, it's certainly not the best wrestled match of the evening. Like, nobody's going into Rock and Hogan expecting, you know, five stars from New Japan. But, <laughs> it's I, like, it's really, honestly, the the match of, of wrestling ever. I got to tell you, I was really impressed with Hogan. Even going back to it, like, again, I was there and I've seen it on television a number of times. I watching it again, I was going, right, it's the rock and and this this, you know, crippled old man. No, Hogan was great. I thought Hogan really handled himself in the ring. He was a crippled old man going into that match. He had a broken rib going into the match that people forget about because the match is so iconic, but he went in hurt. 
We're just diving into this match now. Okay. Um, it's probably a good thing that I didn't go to uh, the Skydome because I've talked about this with you many times, Justin. Uh, I was what feels like one of the very few people all in for The Rock. Uh, everyone in Toronto and maybe worldwide was all about Hollywood Hulk Hogan making his return. Hulkamania was running wild. I was a kid, you know, pouring my heart and soul into The Rock. And uh, I probably would have got beat up as a child if I was in Toronto in 2002. Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't have made it out of the arena alive. Yeah. So it's probably a good thing, I guess, in hindsight. But yeah, it's it's just a very different viewpoint from I know from you, Justin, and I can tell from you, Sideshow, just, you know, everyone wanted Hogan and I was a happy kid with the rock going in there and kicking some ass. Listen, I um I, I'd almost call this a babyface versus babyface match because watching the show again, I, I remember how I, I, it's funny how I can say the collective we as an audience, because I think we all did experience it and feel it the exact same way. We yeah. still loved The Rock. We still thought he was awesome. His promo was excellent. He was still great at what he did. We still loved The Rock. We just wanted Hogan more. We were overcome by... Hulkamania. And it wasn't immediate. I mean, when Hulk Hogan made his entrance, there was an audible pop, but it grew into a roar. As like, I mean, when they when they tied up and then Hogan pushed the rock off, that That's crowd the moment, went yeah. bananas. That was the moment that Hulkamania took over Toronto. You could say that Hulkamania was running wild. It was. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, match of the night, I think it's safe to say Hogan and The Rock. I've got goosebumps. Just talking like again. <laughs> so again, it feels a little redundant after saying all of that and saying the match of the night was Hogan and The Rock. Who stole the show? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the opening video package tried to steal the show. That thing was like 20 minutes long. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I would say Hogan, the rock and, uh, and, and the crowd, I will say yeah. that we said when we did the Canadian stampede show in your house, Canadian stampede, that, that was probably the hottest wrestling crowd ever. You know what? Watching this again, I'm like, I don't know. I think we were it. I think we were it in Toronto yeah. that night. Yeah, I mean, if you had the 60,000 at the Canadian Stampede, then maybe. Sure. But I mean, the, the sheer the sheer volume and again, it just being overcome by that emotion. Uh, the other nominee that I want to put on this list is Hurricane Helms. Uh, he had a star making performance during all of the hardcore segment. Like he was just so good and so like funny but but still serious enough that, that you could take him seriously i'm gonna put uh hurricane helms on that list i also had the audience specifically during the shift if you will because even i've watched rock and hogan i don't an astronomical amount of times and every time you watch it even with just the stare down you can literally like you can feel the energy through the tv from an event that happened 20 years ago yeah. and it's just it's crazy how how it still hits you that hard should we move on to who brought you to the dance? Because we're just going to say Rock and Hogan again. I'm not. No. All right. Okay. Perfect. Uh, now, okay. I will. I will give you my nominees. Rock and Hogan are on it for sure because it was the it was the icon versus icon thing that they'd been teasing for, you know, leading up to it. But Triple H's comeback from the quad injury, leading to a feud against Jericho, who now had. Triple H's wife by his side for these this undisputed championship was a pretty compelling reason to buy WrestleMania as well. So those those are my nominees uh, for me. And I, I touched on this earlier. What actually brought me to the dance was Stone Cold Steve Austin and Scott Hall. Uh, I I don't think I've made it any secret. I'm not a big rock fan. Um, 
I, I was a huge Hogan fan, I, but I mean, for me, my decision was already made that I was going to cheer for Hulk Hogan and I felt like I was going to be part of the few, not the many. Uh, so to be overcome with that emotion was, um, was a pretty unique experience. But for me, I was there because Stone Cold Steve Austin built WrestleMania and Scott Hall to me was the most compelling member of the NWO. Interesting. I, I was in for a lot of reasons. Uh, again, I really wanted to go. Uh, saved up allowance, doesn't matter. Um, but Rock and <laughs> Hogan obviously was one of them. It's uh, obviously I knew Hulk Hogan. I was still relatively new to wrestling and Hulk Hogan was a name, but The Rock was one of my guys. And I was like, you know, like The Rock can kick this old guy's ass. And um, and then obviously Kane versus Kurt Angle, I was invested. And then, uh, yeah, the NWO, like Stone Cold and, and Scott Hall, them spray painting each other on the back. And then like Triple H's return with the Royal Rumble and the full denim suit and everything is just <laughs> I was I was quite literally all in for this pay-per-view. As a, you know, what? that's actually a really good point. There are a lot of hooks that led to this. Uh, not not a ton of this. Uh, this WrestleMania felt thrown together. That's for sure. Yeah. Everything yeah. kind of had its reason. Really none of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about all of that, that, um, you know, compelling content. And we haven't touched on Undertaker and Ric Flair, which felt like a blood feud. Right. Like, I mean, the Undertaker right. had attacked David Flair at training and he had attacked Arn Anderson and, and so on. It's like you really wanted to see Ric Flair get his revenge uh, on the Undertaker. And, and again, maybe arguably Ric Flair's comeback match that led to a pretty good run through the early 2000s for Ric Flair. Who thought that was a good idea? And I have uh, I have one nominee, so I think it's my winner, unless you guys have a better nominee. And it's not putting Hogan and Rock on last. I just I, they had to have known that that they had the powder keg lit before that match. They had to have known that that should have closed the show. I get I get the championship should you know close the show if if you want to make the championship mean something. But come on, they had to have known that this was going to be the moment of the night, and that Hogan. Uh, you know, Hogan and Rock posing together in the ring was the way to close WrestleMania. I, I'm 100% with you. Like, I mean, I, I'm especially at the time when I look at it through the lens that I was watching in 2002, I, I'm a traditionalist in the sense that the world championship should always go on last. Um, but, yeah, especially with the benefit of hindsight, but even going in, you knew Rock and Hogan was was really going to be it. Yeah, I think it's it's a hindsight or grass is greener situation because, yeah, like in terms of traditional, you know, the championship ends the show and everything. And I understand. But it feels like they did try and course correct it 10 years later at WrestleMania 28 with The Rock and John Cena because they main evented that one. And there were specific wrestlers that were upset that they had the championship and were not in the main event. So it feels like it, you can never kind of win and they try and do the best. But, yeah, like it's Rock and Hogan definitely should have been last, especially with the crowd energy and then. I just feel awful for the women after that because the, the air is just gone from that arena and everyone just gave everything they had for Rock and Hogan. And that is exactly why I should have closed the show. And another interesting tidbit to that. I mean, the, the women followed Rock and Hogan and then we got to Jericho and Triple H. But what I found amazing being in the arena was the number of people who poured out of the arena during that match. They weren't sticking around. Uh, at the time, it was freezing rain outside. It's March. It's Canada. It's, you know, it's not a great night. And they had already seen what they came to see. So I would say, I mean, that was the other thing that I really wanted to see on tape when I got home was how did they make that arena still look full 
because by the end of that match, it was half empty. Even when Triple H wins in the, the last match there, like it's that the part of the crowd they show, it looks still seat to seat and everyone's reacting and throwing their hands up and everything. So it kudos to the cameraman, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll have to go back and find my photos from that night because I bet they tell a different story than, you know, than maybe what what my memory is telling me and what I saw on television or on the WWE network this weekend. The gimmick graveyard. Uh, so there's a few, there's a few interesting things here. This was an interesting time in, uh, in the WWF because it was the last WrestleMania as WWF. And there's my WrestleMania X eight baseball Jersey right there. That's still got oh, nice. that's super cool. Still got the WWF, uh, scratch logo on it right there. That's awesome. Shame. You guys can't see the video. That's super cool. So that's, that's the original that was bought at the sky dome that night. Um, and that was, I'm so glad I got it because that was the last time they made those with the WWF logo on them. Yeah. They would change to, I think it was two months later. It uh, started to sort of quietly become WWE and then they started to get the F out campaign and stuff. Insurrection was the last one. I don't know. Oh, yeah, but... it could have been. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was May 20. 20- uh, sorry, I was going to say 2022, 2002, yeah. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. We've, we, it's been, wow. yeah, I know. Isn't that wild? Like saying that out loud almost hurt. It hurt my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when, when you think of this being the last WrestleMania with the WWF logo on it, it's also, you could say, the end of the Attitude Era. I considered yeah. it the end it of the really Attitude is. Era for sure. But, you know, it seems to be the... For the most part, the consensus is this was the exclamation mark on the Attitude Era. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, WrestleMania 17 was kind of the celebration of the Attitude Era, uh, and this was sort of the exclamation point on you know this is the end of that era. And uh, as it as we get the F out and get the E in, a more entertainment driven era. Well, yeah, because even 19, WrestleMania 19 a year later, like feels so distinctly different from WrestleMania 18. And again, it's just a span of a year. The other thing I had in the gimmick graveyard was WWF forcible entry. <laughs> I own that CD. Come on. Like, <laughs> okay. I love glass shatters. I love Austin's disturbed theme. I do not remember Edge's forcible entry theme. I do not. I know every word to Never Gonna Stop by Rob Zombie. I totally forgot that, was it Stained or Drowning Pool? One of them. Uh, or not, sorry, pool. not Stained. Um, yeah, it was a Drowning Pool that did uh, Triple H's theme, that did the game. Yeah. And I, I completely forgot about a lot of, look at that it's on his phone he's, he's got he's, it on his phone he's holding up his phone <laughs> sam i have the it, this is on my ipod version on my iphone and i have the entire album still here and it comes through on shuffle once in a while sideshow as an our lady peace fan yeah have you ever heard them speak about their participation on this cd i haven't no and how ashamed they are of the album title so they this was well before you know, Chris Benoit became what Chris Benoit of is. Of course, yeah. They were ashamed to play the song simply because of the album title. Yeah, it's um, didn't age well. That's for sure. No, 
Uh, <laughs> it did not. not at all. At, Even as a kid, like I wasn't a fan. I just loved WWE theme music. <laughs> hey, I had I had the mu- I think the music volume two was the first one I ever bought, and uh, I bought a lot of them after that. I don't think forcible entry was one of them. Gimmick graveyard crowd signs that had anything to do with wrestling because there were none that had to do with wrestling at this show. <laughs> I know there was like I noticed that too. Every crowd sign was self-serving of the person who held it. It had nothing yep. to do with the show you were watching. <laughs> it was just someone trying to get on TV. There were so many too. Like there was just like by the hundreds. Yeah, they were all inside that- jokes. I didn't understand any of them. They were just people's names. It was like, you know, like when somebody tags the side of a railway cart and you watch a train go by and you're like looking at all these tags going, who cares? Why would you do that? Nobody knows what this means. That's what the crowd signs look like at WrestleMania 18. <laughs> yeah. You could almost argue that it was ahead of its time because <laughs> now currently there's a lot of uh, the signs are just video game hot takes. Right. Yeah. Yes. A lot of shows now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Mel Lastman as the mayor of Toronto. I <laughs> just kind of oh tickled me a little God. bit to see on there. Cutting the ribbon yeah. at access. Like Toronto's mayor, Mel Lastman uh, of, you know, there's so much for, for anybody who uh, who's from the area. When you hear the name Mel Lastman, like, you know, and for those who don't know, you're probably better off not knowing. Uh just so many like I mean the the story about him costing Toronto the Olympics and then trying to acquire WrestleMania as like a make good for for their economy it's just typical typical Mel Lastman. It worked for me though because I would have much rather seen uh, WrestleMania than than the Olympics. So it was I mean hey hey spoke to my heart. You're right. <laughs> Last thing I have for the gimmick graveyard uh, that I felt was absolutely notable was uh, Hollywood Hogan. This was this was the end of the NWO version of Hogan. He was he was wearing his his red and yellow pretty much immediately after this. He had his amazing reception in Toronto, then his amazing reception the next night in Montreal, arguably even more amazing. Uh, Or maybe it was the Tuesday in Montreal. And then after that, you're right. It was red and yellow. Hulkamania runs wild straight through until Mr. America. I've heard a a story. I don't know if it's true. It could just be conjecture, but that like Hogan flew back home to get the red and yellow tights because that was initially part of the. Yeah. So and it's part of like I've wondered. (laughs) We'll get into it later in the rebook. Well, I did. So I did have it in, in my quick facts for today. I did have that. So the story goes that uh, it was leading up to it. There was some, you know, people were not start, they were starting to notice some cheering for Hogan, some booze for Rock. So basically Vince and Hogan flew out on the WWE's private jet to go get Hogan's red and yellow gear to wear at WrestleMania 18, but still decided to go with NWO Hogan that night. But they had considered Vince? having him come out in red and yellow. Vince went along with him like he had to hold his hand to make sure that he brought it back. <laughs> that's the story I read that Vince and Hogan flew out in the WWE's Come on, jet. Terry. Well, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else for Gimmick Graveyard? The only other one I had on here was the Godfather's Ladies of the Night. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will get to. Um, <laughs> because they had a moment on this show. They had one of my favorite moments on the show. I'm sure we will get to that. Um, Rebooking. What would you have rebooked? What would you have changed? So let's get to it. Let's get to Austin and Scott Hall. 
I think I would have changed this in somehow. I'm just not exactly sure how. I just, I didn't feel like this was the, that this was the culmination of what the NWO deserved and what Austin deserved. Just throwing Austin and Scott Hall together didn't feel like the 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 finale of this NWO story. It just didn't feel right. I, it just kind of felt thrown together to me. Even at the time, I remember going, "Why the hell is Stone Cold fighting Razor Ramon in the middle of the show?" You know, like it just it didn't it didn't make sense to me. So I don't know. I would I I would love to come up with something that would have been a little bigger for the NWO that maybe included Kevin Nash a little more than just being at ringside for Scott Hall. That's that's the first thing I would have rebooked, and then and we've said it before. I I put a Hogan and Rock on last. Uh, it it's you make a, a wonderful point about Scott Hall and Stone Cold Steve Austin because you're right. The NWO was the biggest uh, commodity to come out of WCW outside of maybe Goldberg, right? I yeah. mean, they they're they're Sting, sure, and I mean we had DDP on this card. But really, like, I mean, coming in and uh, their debut was still so fresh. They were only a month old at this point. Um, You really hoped that WWE wasn't going to drop the ball or WWF wasn't going to drop the ball with an NWO invasion. And by the time we got to WrestleMania, just a few short weeks after their debut, they had there. There was not a lot to invest in. By the time we got to WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, they they did the whole Vince McMahon bringing the NWO thing in, which I thought was pretty great. The whole injecting a lethal poison into the WWF. But at the same time, that that lethal poison was getting pretty manhandled on television by Steve week Austin. Week after week you after know? week. Like it, yep. it didn't feel like they were running roughshod over the WWF and just, like, destroying everyone. It didn't feel like they were this lethal injection of poison into the company. Um, I feel like the NWO. Yeah. So, so they really didn't to, to not only have sort of a lackluster buildup, but to then have a lackluster finale to that. Just, I don't know. It didn't seem, didn't seem like it was, it was kind of thrown away. We had for the invasion. What was the biggest name we had on the invasion? Booker T? DDP. DDP? Yeah, DDP no. wasn't a part of the invasion, was he? Yeah, just shortly thereafter, he, yeah. he debuted as uh, the stalker. The stalker with the Undertaker's wife. <laughs> so, I mean, when you think of like the, the, the first part of that invasion, like, I mean, really, you had Booker T. And yeah. eh, it was kind of it. And a bunch of other guys that were, you know, these mid-card guys. We finally got the NWO. And this is what happened with it. Yeah. Yep, I hear like 100%. That's what brought me to the dance. Like I was I was excited for Stone Cold and Scott Hall because I'm a huge Scott Hall fan and I'm a huge I'm a huge Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. So, you know, knowing that's where we were going despite the fact that the build up was kind of lackluster, I was still excited for it and I mean it it delivered in the sense that I got to see one of the best stunners of all time, but <laughs> well, you know, really that's about we'll it. We'll get to the stunner. uh the only other thing that i would have rebooked was uh edge and booker t you've got edge uh his homecoming you know they had played the the video clip to show him in the crowd at wrestlemania 6 and he's coming back home for wrestlemania 18 and we're fighting over shampoo (laughs) 
Like, (laughs) you gotta give me, like, literally anything else but that fight over catering. Like, fight over, I don't know, a a shampoo commercial, like, just wasn't really, uh, you know, the high quality uh, caliber I was expecting for an Edge homecoming. And again, arguably the biggest name that came in from the invasion in WCW. You know, th- this is Booker T, five-time world champion, fighting over a bottle of shampoo. Not not for me. Sam? Uh, I had a couple different things. I know I've had a few discussions with Justin specifically about this and many others, but just I know so many people wanted Stone Cold versus Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's an entirely different conversation. So it's not I don't know necessarily that I would rebook that, but um, I know that's something else. And then we've kind of touched on it already. But um, Hogan being in red and yellow, like I understand both, because in terms of you were saying with the NWO ending with Stone Cold and Scott Hall, like it, it does kind of feel like a good ending for Hogan within the NWO after the rock. But yeah, like Hall and and Nash, it's just kind of different. So it's, I see the the pro of of Hogan wearing the NWO, like the colors, the black and everything. But at the same time, like what would that have been if he came out in classic red and yellow with to real American even? Um, And yeah, then again, Hulk and, uh, and Hogan or Hulk and Hogan, Uh, rock and Hogan being the main event is also just something that should have happened for sure. Part of me kind of wanted them to play, real American while they did the pose off in the ring instead of the rock. Yes, right. at the end. Yeah. Uh, yep. So that I guess I'd put that in rebook too. There, But then uh, there's also a part of me that goes, no, maybe they didn't need it. Um, the rock won the match. It was kind of the rocks moment, but they got to share in that. So m- maybe, maybe it was right to play the rocks theme or, or to lay off on the theme while the two of them were posing together. Yeah, laying off on the theme, I think, if especially with, again, the crowd we've talked about, if, like, the energy that they were still going nuts. You guys were going nuts, jerks, uh, after <laughs> the match was over, right? Yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah, without the music, I think it would have been uh, just as powerful. Things that wouldn't fly today or don't hold up today. I mean, in this era, we could probably pick a number of things on any given show. Um, we'll start with the one that is on every one of these episodes pretty much. And that's the blood flares blood in particular. Um, I mean, Flair could get a paper cut and it would look like the end of the world with his bleached white hair, but everyone bled in that match. I'm surprised Charles Robinson didn't get color in that match, to be honest with you. Like Arn was bleeding like a stuck pig. A taker was bleeding. Flair was just covered in blood in that match, it would not fly today. But it was awesome. Oh, it was great. Hey, <laughs> I fully believe that Flair only bleached his hair white, you know, in the early days. Just to get color? To get color into it. Like, I, I firmly believe that that's the only reason he did it. Because it it looks amazing, right? When he gets color and it just it stains his hair like that. It's incredible. But you'd never see it on TV today. Okay, let's get to it. Hurricane in the hose dressing room. (laughs) Not happening on TV today. Definitely wouldn't happen on TV today, but a moment that I had actually forgotten about. Yeah, And then when we got to it, (laughs) when he goes into the locker room and then you kind of see him sneak in behind the, you know, that that changing screen, uh, like, you know what's coming. And you're right, it absolutely wouldn't fly today, but I'm not ashamed to say I laughed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> when did when did the second Austin Powers uh, movie come out? Because it felt 
heavily inspired by the scene Could from have been. Austin I think Powers. it was before that. Right around then. Yeah, I think it was before right. that. Um, 2002, maybe, yeah. My, um, my six-year-old daughter said, Daddy, is he hiding in the girls' locker room? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just, he's hiding. Well, why, why is he back there? And I said, well, he's, he's hiding and he's got a weapon. That's his weapon. He's just trying to keep himself safe because the hardcore title can be lost at any time. So that's all that's going on here. And he was hiding because he realized where he was and he didn't, you know. And uh, so it was, and it was an interesting discussion I had to have with my six-year-old daughter. But that's good parenting, Sideshow. He just simply raised his weapon. To keep himself <laughs> safe. Keeping himself safe with, <laughs> with else. the broom. Uh, Billy and Chuck wouldn't fly today. We've, I think, we've brought <laughs> Billy and Chuck up before. Although at the same time, Billy and Chuck weren't. Uh, they were. They just. They were a tag team in this. Uh, in this event, it didn't feel like you know. It hadn't quite gotten to where it went. They yet. weren't playing the gimmick so hard yet, but we know where Billy and Chuck was going and that's definitely not going to fly today. <laughs> a life-size statue of Stacy Keebler's behind at Access that people can just that's that what people I can just go and put their hand on for photos. And yeah, Stacy looking talked about, Yeah, so uncomfortable. You and I talked about this off air beforehand like that moment came on and I was like Wow, they had a cast of her butt and her legs, and then they put her on camera to talk about it. Like, I was uncomfortable for her. It yeah. was uncomfortable. Well, when we did the uh, episode about Invasion, when we talked about the bra and panties match and how, like, uncomfortable you could tell they are. Like, it's, it's, it's Stacy now, too, like, that all these guys are just fondling a mold of her legs and, and butt. And, and she they is very clearly, like, yeah, like, it's, she's very clearly not impressed with it but she's doing her job and it's just yeah like it, it looking at it from a lens in 2022 versus 2002 it's uh it's quite a different experience i just can't imagine how you have that conversation hey stacy we need you to put this plaster all over your butt and your legs and we're gonna have guys come in and touch it uh and we're gonna charge them to was do this- it. and then you're gonna take pictures with them yeah was this before or after the legs the zz top kid rock legs video though was that is that on forcible entry sam uh i think it is but she is with the dudleys at the point did she have dudleys, legs and then she yeah. went with the dudleys I and then back i don't remember but i i can't remember let me bring up the album <laughs> <laughs> it is it's number two it is on there he's gonna oh <laughs> god he's gonna play it <laughs> don't I'll play it we it don't have the rights no to copyright it. no we don't copyright. have the rights to it don't do it <laughs> we'll just hum it Um, well that that being said doesn't hold up today saliva and drowning pool hey i had a good time Uh, (laughs) so did i i i'm a like i mean say what you will about josie scott saliva had a banger of a song for the dudleys yeah, I you know what? I thought it I, I like when bands do the live playing of the theme songs. I do enjoy that. But at the same time, Drowning Pool doing the game was nothing like Motorhead doing the game. No. No, it, it, yeah. Well, it's kind I of a different song and the, the the actual like album, the studio version of the game by Drowning Pool, uh, it sounds incredibly different than their live version. The live version right. felt like for some reason in an arena <laughs> that is the Sky Dome. Well, it felt like quieter and it just it didn't feel like the energy off of the studio cut and like Triple H still on. does his entrance, but go, yeah, you were there. Yeah. You tell me. Yeah, yeah. 
you're going to tell me that WrestleMania 7 or 17 Motorhead sounds like the album version of the game for Motorhead? No, but it... Because they don't. No. Because... I I know more of the words <laughs> to that song, <laughs> but you are also not Lemmy. Then Lemmy does. So you're right. You're right. And I'm not. Please, but don't I just in terms of is. the energy that Motorhead has when Triple H is coming out to the ring in 17 versus Drowning Pool and Triple H's entrance in 18. They're just they're so vastly different. And I understand they were trying to recreate that, but it's just I don't know. Drowning Pool didn't sound like Drowning Pool. Yeah, and even live in the arena, it wasn't particularly loud. Like I've gone to, I went to a Metallica concert a couple of years ago in the Sky Dome, and it was so loud, my ears were ringing for days afterwards. Um, it, the the live music element wasn't loud in the building. The other thing that I found that didn't hold up uh, was the pedigree to Steph, and uh, I'll say this again: watching it with my daughters, my oldest daughter Stella's six, and she found. That, you know, you you or I would watch this and immediately know Triple H is the baby face here. Jericho's the heel with Stephanie. To Stella, Triple H was the heel because he hit Stephanie. Right. Um, and that, make, that makes and, perfect sense. And that was it. She was she knew that he was the bad guy. Um, and, and it's definitely not something you're going to see today. Best promo of the night. Uh, there, there were, there were, uh, there were a few, you know, there, there was Christians, uh, Booker T had one Hogan's was kind of, I don't know, even Hogan's was kind of muted. I thought it was kind of, it was kind of quiet for, for Hogan's standards, but I got to hand it to the rock on this one. Anytime you <laughs> get the rock and coach together, I'm, I'm in what up G what up G when he makes him get down and pray. <laughs> this is so, this is what I'm saying when I tell you that we still loved The Rock even though we booed him just to make Hogan look better. We still loved everything The Rock did. And that that what up G when he made uh, Coachman get down and pray and say his <laughs> prayers because he already ate his vitamins and he drank his milk, but he didn't say his prayers. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. This is my favorite Rock promo of all time. It's I I absolutely love the rock in every aspect. And this just is such a good and classic rock promo that, you know, the hand interrupting and it's as a nine year old kid, I was through the roof excited for the match. And I already was. And the promo made it better. And even now I knew the promo. I've seen it countless times and I still got hyped up from it. We all believe in you, coach. Now you say your prayers like you've never said them before. What up, Jake? Coach here, I just wanted to give you, you know, a quick shout out. It's been night for everybody. What in the blue hell is wrong with you? What up, G? That's the way you give thanks? You get out of here, you sick freak. You don't give thanks like that. Get his candy ass out of here. You see Hulk Hogan, The Rock wants Hulkamania in all of his glory. What you gonna do, Hulk Hogan, when you face The Rock tonight? when you've got butterflies in your hoka stomach and you reach down to feel if you still got a hoka strudel. Hulk Hogan, what you gonna do when The Rock runs wild on you? Ahead of its time, I will say, uh, with the hardcore titles, is just the amount they used it throughout the night. 
uh, I thought was a lot of fun. Where as a pay-per-view, traditionally, you're not getting as many backstage segments. This sort of made it feel a little more like a Raw or a TV show by having these backstage segments. And I remember how interesting it was in the building to have those segments because you didn't have any downtime while they were getting things ready for the next thing. There's a hardcore segment going up on the, on the big screen at at the sky dome. There was, there was always something going on that wasn't necessarily a promo or a You go see raw. Now they go to commercial break. The guys sort of slow down the match in the ring or they play a little video package on the TV. This was practically matches going on all night nonstop. And I thought that was fantastic. I thought it was a really good way of keeping a four hour show flowing. And despite the fact that it was, you know, the hardcore title each time, each segment also felt unique. You had a really great Al Snow moment when he drove into the boxes with the referee in the golf cart. We had the aforementioned Godfather's Ladies of the Night (laughs) scene. Um, We had Mighty Molly win the championship out of the blue by slamming the door. Like, I mean, there was just a lot of really great stuff that for those who are conditioned to see the 24-7 title and it kind of treated as a joke, there were many funny elements to this hardcore title chase, but it was still uh, a serious presentation. And you're right, it did keep the show moving um, where there would sometimes otherwise be downtime. So that, I, I definitely think that's way ahead of its time. Yeah, I, I almost had it as a promo. It, it's not a promo, but when when Maven gets the belt at the end and takes Christian's cab and bails out, like I, I remember laughing and, and and being excited for that. It just it felt earned. And, you know, it was a short form or short version of storytelling throughout the night. And I thought it paid off in a really good way. The other thing I thought was ahead of its time, and I know it's uh, it, it was kind of just getting into full swing here, but what? We know what the word what became over the years. And the fact that that held on as long as it did um, is unbelievable to me. But what was still pretty new in March of 2002, um, from what I can remember. And I I remember the crowd doing it and going, is this, wow, we're, okay, they're really getting into this what thing. This is interesting. And the fact that it stuck around as long as it did, I would say what was kind of ahead of its time. Yeah, if there's one thing I could go back in a time machine and stop dead in its tracks, it's what. <laughs> but you're right. Isn't it In funny? 2002, ahead of its time. <laughs> Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. That's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. I'm going to stomp a mud hole and walk it dry. What? What? <laughs> there's, there's some of the biggest catchphrases in wrestling history right there. Get in, get and out. what? And what is one of them? Anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, anything else for ahead of its time, guys? I do, and I can't believe it hasn't been mentioned yet, but when The Undertaker finishes his match and he's standing on the outside of the ring and he puts his hands up and he counts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. This is the first real acknowledgement of the streak, right. and he's at 10-0. and 0. I was going to ask if this was the first time he acknowledged it. I feel like it is, and I could be wrong, but to me it, it was a real, like, 
you know, he, you, 10. This is a big number. We're at 10 and 0. And, and from that point forward, it was part of Undertaker's WrestleMania lore. I didn't think of it in the in the sense of acknowledging the streak, but that definitely makes sense. I just had it under honorable mentions because that's something that has always stuck with me from that show is Taker one by one, like the flowing of the fingers. I just always thought that was one of the coolest things he ever did. Yeah, it's a super cool visual. Quick facts on this show. There's a lot of them, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and edit myself as I go through these because there's just so many that I found uh, online here. So that fan that Ric Flair attacks during the angle leading up to the match with the Undertaker's Paul London oh. is the the fan. Oh, I missed that. Hogan said that he and The Rock actually changed the way that match flowed on the fly based on the crowd's response. Um, that that you know that they they had the finish and everything, but they really did play with the way that match flowed based on the way the crowd was reacting to Hogan. This one I found interesting that I found online. It said the only competitor at the event that competed at the last WrestleMania in Toronto at the Skydome was Hulk Hogan. He lost both of those matches, and both were his only WrestleMania pinfall losses. I thought that was very interesting. The other thought is that there were no commentators, valets, or managers appearing at both of the events. The only other talents to appear on camera at both are Diamond Dallas Page. Because if you remember WrestleMania six, Diamond Dallas Page drove the Cadillac that had... uh, that had Honky Tonk Man in it to the ring. That was actually Page's Cadillac. Yeah, they made mention of that during Diamond Dallas Page's match. Jim Ross said this is Diamond Dallas Diamond Dallas Page's first wrestling appearance, but not his first WrestleMania appearance. The only other people to appear at WrestleMania six and WrestleMania eighteen in Toronto, Howard Finkel is the ring announcer and referee Earl Hebner. Now, wow, I would like to correct this. Because I got off the phone with our good friend Jimmy Corderas. Oh. Who also refereed three matches at WrestleMania six. He refereed Hercules and Earthquake, Rick Rude and Jimmy Snuka, and Tito Santana and the Barbarian. Take that, internet. Fact check that. Incorrect, yeah. Odds on no one fact checks the truth. The other other thing I found very interesting that Jimmy pointed out to me, now unfortunately Shane McMahon isn't on WrestleMania 18, but Shane McMahon was on WrestleMania 6 as Shane Stevens, the referee. Yeah, it's funny because when I went back and watched WrestleMania 6 more recently, probably maybe over the last year or so, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, he was that, he that's was Shane McMahon. He was Shane Stevens, the referee back then. And Jimmy goes, yeah, there, uh, Shane was on WrestleMania 6 too. So, Wow. Um, and again, speaking of Toronto, only two WrestleManias that ever happened outside the United States, both of them at the Skydome in Toronto. Uh, now, the story goes Bret Hart turned down an invitation from Vince McMahon to be a special guest referee at the event and also turned down an invitation from uh, Kurt Angle to rest, to work a match with him. Huh. Uh, I don't know where I would slot Bret as a special guest referee in any of those matches because, I mean, short of maybe The Undertaker and Ric Flair because of the Vince McMahon involvement in that match and uh, Ric Flair, you know, having to forfeit control over his brand in order to be able to have the match and Vince McMahon gaining complete control over the WWF. Um, as that storyline was told, maybe I would put Bret Hart there. It's a shame that Bret Hart didn't appear because, you know, this is the last WrestleMania in Canada to date. Um 
and that would have been that that would have really been a cherry on top of what was already a great WrestleMania. It looked like there was some fans disappointed too, because there was one shot where it's going high in the crowd, and there's six fans that have uh, pink shiny letters, but the guy holding the N and Hitman wasn't there, so it just said Hitma. <laughs> didn't catch that didn't catch that, that me either <laughs> the, uh, this was the last European and hardcore championship matches to be featured on a Wrestlemania that's a crime that European title should be on every show I agree Vince McMahon apparently wanted Wrestlemania 18 to be in Tampa Florida at the Raymond James Stadium uh, but it was uh, it was nixed because there was about a half a mile walk to the 50 yard line which would have required those little electronic carts to get wrestlers to and from the ring like WrestleMania 3 or like the behind the scenes stuff we saw at Royal Rumble where like Braun Strowman's riding on the back of a golf cart uh, and stuff. So they decided against the really long entranceway. This was last WrestleMania matches for William Regal and Scott Hall. DDP, Maven, Chuck Palumbo and Lita's only WrestleMania matches Hard to believe Alita never had a WrestleMania match before this. Yeah. Yeah. I guess she was just manager or interference. Yeah. Rob Van Dam, Booker T, Jazz, and Trish Stratish, their first WrestleMania appearances as well. So what's that tell you? That Lita and Trish Stratus hadn't been featured on WrestleMania until 2002. Wow. Another little thing I noticed, Stone Cold drinking Canadian was kind of (laughs) neat. Yeah, I noticed that. Drinking Molson Canadian. Uh, and one more thing, if you look closely while R- William Regal is entering the ring, he is wearing the uh, Intercontinental title upside down. I noticed that too. Did you notice it? <laughs> yes. And I, you know, it's funny, uh, at the time when I noticed it, I actually noticed it live. I was like, oh, that's bad luck. That means for sure that Rob Van Dam's going to win the Intercontinental title tonight. Like, I just thought because he had the title upside down and I still believed wrestling was maybe a little bit real, <laughs> that that meant for sure Rob Van Dam was going to win. What moment would you put on the poster? It's already on it. It's Hogan and The Rock facing off. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else? No. (laughs) No, absolutely not. I do have a moment ingrained in my memory from this night, and it's it's Triple H standing on the corner uh, on the turnbuckle with the two titles. Yeah, what a great post. I do still remember that clearly. That's, again, one of those, one of the few memories I still have that are from my seat and not from the TV cameras is Triple H on the corners with with those two belts was was amazing. Um, wasn't quite Hogan and Rock, but it was it was a pretty good visual. Where were you sitting? You said you were in the 500s, but where were you sitting? I was up about as high as you can go right across from the TV cameras. You were looking at the Titan Tron? The Titan Tron would have been to my right. Uh, I was basically sitting right behind Jim Ross in the 100 level. So I always say I was about 100 rows back. Right. So I had, I was looking at the entrance way the whole night. So all of the, like, I mean, I got Kane's pyro. I got like all the great things. And Triple H, when he made that pose, was actually towards yep. my corner. So I, I'm like you. I don't see that like the broadcast version or even the, like the replays when they put it in the video packages afterwards. I see that through. I was there live looking at Triple H posing in that corner. Uh, I was uh, my TV was like six to eight feet away and I was sitting back on a couch <laughs> a little to the right of the TV. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Good angle. Good angle. Yeah. You see everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what match would you show a non-wrestling fan? I, so this one, I, and we debate this from time to time about why you would show a certain match to a non-wrestling fan. 
I have two nominees. It's Y2J and Triple H because it was it was fantastic. It was a great way to finish the show. It just wasn't the best way to finish the show. And then Hogan and Rock. I feel like I'd probably go with Hogan and Rock just because of the spectacle and what it meant and how exciting it is. But, I mean, wrestling match-wise, if I wanted to show someone a really great match, it would be Y2J and Triple H. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Actually, that would be my pick, Y2J and Triple H. Just because it was a great wrestling match, there was lots of story there. It was easy to sink your teeth into. It was easy to get invested in because this was somebody, um, you know, manipulating. Well, it was actually uh, somebody's wife manipulating them and then them figuring it out. So it's easy to kind of get invested in that storyline where with Rock and Hogan, you've got to explain the history of Hogan, who Rock is today. Like, I mean, we all know who the Rock is today, but in 2002, he was just a wrestler. So, um yeah, I would. I, that's exactly what I would pick too. Sam. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, Rock and Hogan. I, I would argue that pretty much everyone, even if you don't know or even like wrestling, everyone knows The Rock. Everyone knows Hulk Hogan, especially in 2022's lens. Um, but for a random one, uh, RVD and William Regal, maybe just because they're two such contrasting styles that RVD's you know flying through the air, whereas Regal's kind of taking it down to the ground, and it's just kind of if. If you already have an explanation of wrestling, it kind of just shows when two styles clash. And I don't know. I enjoyed that match for what it was. I, I thought they clashed that was really, a really well. Yeah. Yeah. So did I. I thought that was a great opener. Yeah. Um, and like, again, one of those visuals that I see being in the arena and not necessarily on TV was the suplex um, where RVD really gets dumped on his head. The, like tough watch, tough watch. Then I remember thinking like, Oh, that looks terrible. And then seeing it again on tape afterwards, like, wow, Holy cow. Did he ever get dumped on that one? Well, one of my favorite categories, the oversell of the night, AKA the Hugo Savinovich award. I've got a couple of, uh, a couple of good ones here. Um, Earl, when Triple H's arm doesn't go down the third time when he's doing the raising his arm and dropping it thing. <laughs> Earl uh, Earl reacts really well to that <laughs> that third that arm staying up in the air. So I'll, I'll give Earl a nomination for that. I'm not going to give him the win for that. Uh, in the same match, I'll say Stephanie when Triple H gets a hold of her by the hair. She sold that <laughs> yeah, really the look. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, any any Jr. call at the end of a WrestleMania is uh, is going to be a nominee for me. But I think the winner is Scott Hall's stunner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clear Without and concise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't think of a better oversell of the night than, you know, if I had to put, if I had to put a list of the most ridiculous stunners ever, the, in the top three would definitely be Scott Hall's and then Vince McMahon's first stunner that he received there with the, the weird body jitters and stuff after but Scott Hall would be right up there, top three for sure. I'd round out that three with Santino Morella taking the stunner and giving the salute as he was selling it on his way down. That uh, those are one, two, and three for me. <laughs> those are one, two, and three. Uh, yeah, this stunner. If you've never seen it before, you're not a wrestling fan because it's been replayed millions of times. But I mean, like. Hard to find the the rocks oversell of the stunner is great and Scott Hall's is unique and also great. So yeah. the rocks oversell of the stunner kind of flows though. Yeah. Scott Hall's oversell of the stunner is just a jump. It's this giant, but like he gets air. 
Like yeah, way up over the top, way up. Yeah, I don't know if it's still. If you use like gifs on Facebook Messenger in a chat, if you look up Stone Cold Stunner, the first one is Scott Hall taking it from WrestleMania 18. Um, That being said, though, is that visually, like, yeah, sure, it's an oversell, but it looks great. (laughs) Like Stone Cold stuns Scott Hall into the third deck. Yeah, like literally into the third deck. It was it was awesome. I think that's yeah, that's easily my oversell of the night. Did you guys have any other nom? Nominees. I mean, I know that's obviously got to be our winner, but if you have any other nominees, I'd love to hear them. Well, that was a mid card. And once that happened, I was like, well, nothing touches. This. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I wrote Scott Hallstunner. <laughs> uh, which one of these matches would you have turned into an item on a pole match? I've got I, here's my idea. All right. We do the hardcore title on a pole. But hear me out. Hear me out. We still do the backstage segments with it, it becomes like a protect the flag game. Whoever wins it <laughs> then has to guard the pole. And, and, and that's how it goes on all night. There's my idea. It's a, it's a hardcore title on a pole match, but it goes on all night backstage. I wish everybody could see the look on Sam's face right now. I'm pondering. The perturbed, <laughs> the perturbed look. I, I'm not knocking it. I'm just I'm trying to think of how that would happen because you could say they've been fighting the whole time and then we're gonna cut back to the ring, but um, you know, you you suspend your disbelief in wrestling a lot, but that feels like yeah, a hey, lot you're more. suspending your disbelief that the only time these hardcore title things happen is in between matches every time they sh- take the camera back. That's when they happen, Psycho. So, and, so why uh, not? Yeah. Why not in between a match, all of a sudden there's Crash Holly and he's looking around and he's, tra- <laughs> he's, he's guarding the pole. Then all of a sudden Al Snow comes out of nowhere, right? And there's Spike Dudley, I mean, for God's sake, out of nowhere, right? Sideshow's put some real thought into yeah, this. But I, I mean, in his defense, Shane Helms, Hurricane Helms, flew in with a kick. And then flew out. So, I mean, if we're going to suspend disbelief, a uh, hardcore title on a pole. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm on board. Do you guys have anything for an item on a pole match? Well, despite the fact that I panned how stupid it was, I will put the shampoo bottle on a pole. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Cordera's sightings. He refereed the Christian and DDP match. Uh, and then he was backstage a bunch. He he was backstage with, uh, with Spike and Crash. I think he was Crash's referee. Uh, backstage when Spike had the title. He was backstage with Molly and Hurricane as well as a referee in the hardcore stuff going on backstage. Then we saw him again a little later on uh, uh, with the the Kevin Nash stuff at uh, at ringside. And if the Hugo Savinovich Oversell of the Night Award is my second favorite, this one is my absolute favorite. Pedantic fault finding, a chance for us to to pick things apart a little more than, than we should. It's it's pro wrestling after all the big one for me. And I don't know, maybe it's just me. This WrestleMania looks awful. This is probably one of the worst looking WrestleManias on television I've ever seen. I don't know if they usually shot it on film and decided to go with videotape on this one, or it's some crappy early version of digital or it's the way the lights are. It looks terrible. It needs a, a digital remastering in a big way. This was the very first WrestleMania I ever owned on DVD, and I was so struck by how good it looked. So uh, I, I'm shocked. I disagree. I I don't know. It just it doesn't it doesn't look crisp. It doesn't look clean. It looks messy. It looks foggy. It looks it looks cluttered. I just it it to me. 
not a good look for a WrestleMania. It looks far away a lot. It doesn't look up close. And I mean, I know, hey, we're in the Sky Dome, but it just, it's yeah, TV. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it, it didn't. I do, I do feel like they were trying to do that, that pull away, show the crowd yeah. shot a lot. Yeah, but I'm, I just. They, they went there a lot. I'm kind of on the other side in that, it, like the pull away shot, it makes it feel like grand. It feels, you know, it's WrestleMania. There's, it gets packed to the nines. Um, but in terms of how it looks, I guess I was indifferent. It, it's, you know, it definitely looks like it's from 2002, but it's not going to be, you know, WrestleMania 35 in HD. No, I just, I found watching, you know, we, we watched WrestleMania, or I have anyway, so far watched WrestleMania 13. We're doing that next week. Um, I felt that looked better. Right. Uh, visually than WrestleMania 18. And that was what, with 13 days, five years, whatever before, you know, uh, like I just felt like this one didn't look good. But anyway, my hot takes from Sideshow. Maybe it's just me. I felt like it. I think it needs a digital remastering. It needs to be cleaned up. a bit. I wouldn't be upset with a digital remastering by any means. Uh, Angles figure skating <laughs> gold metal promo thing there just didn't age well to me i'm like what <laughs> like first of all you're talking to uh, a stadium i almost said an arena it's not an arena it's a stadium there were 68,000 people there wrestling fans age you know 14 to 30 you know, is is your is your core demographic there in two thousand two, and you're talking about figure skating gold? I I don't know. I, uh, Angle's better than that. He's better than that. Well, Canada really rallied around the that gold, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. But I, I don't know. I get maybe it just didn't. Again, it didn't age well. Maybe I <laughs> did put you it in the hear the category. disappointment in his voice? Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's <laughs> the true. disappointment. It was a he big, had in Canada. It was there. a big. It was a big story. I didn't care about it at the time, right? <laughs> and I, I don't care about it now. But I guess I'm. I guess it doesn't belong in pedantic fault finding. It belongs in things that didn't age well. You so, know, things, oh, you know, yeah. maybe things you would rebook. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe it belongs there. Um, <laughs> Sala and Pelche, come on! What? Wow, they won the damn thing. <laughs> oh, was it? Okay. What? Are you Canadian? In the same match, uh, and sorry to pile on a Kane match here, uh, Sam. But, I'm leaving. Um, Angle Angle hits Kane with the bell right at the beginning of the match, and the referee just goes, "Okay, start the match." The match hadn't started. You can't disqualify but, for something that but hasn't you, started. But wait, as a referee, are you like, are you seriously going to yeah. say you just hit this guy with an illegal object? Okay, better start the match now. The You're rule book, take a minute. Oh, The rule stop. book. The match stop. was not started. Yeah, but the. I think the rule book should state that the competitor should be able to start the match, and right. there's no telling after a bell shot to the beat. He should, at the very least, <laughs> he's going to be able to. He should be on his feet before the bell rings. And he was not even yeah. on his feet by the time the timekeeper got the bell back and rang it. As much as it pains me to admit, Sideshow's pedantic fault finding in this is correct. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm bang on with this one, all right? Um, the other thing is when referees hang their feet outside the ring, you know they're going to get pulled out. Why is when Kevin a referee, drives me crazy. When a referee goes down for the pin and they give that little extra push to get their legs hanging out outside the ring, you're like, oh, someone's going to pull them out. Multiple referees were assaulted by Kevin Nash and there was no disqualification in that match. 
No fines issued. Just punched in the face, and the match went on. And on and on. <laughs> the robot doesn't have anything for that one, I don't think. So Triple H and Jericho doing the uh, the figure four on the ring post uh, bit, the old Bret Hart figure four on the ring post thing. If you look, you'll notice Triple H had to hold Jericho's leg to so that Jericho could get up. And the other one, and I know this has come up before, Earl let a lot slide in that main event. Oh, my <laughs> that was a, gosh. That was a singles match, and a lot slid in that match. I always enjoyed when Jim Ross would be like, well, you know, with, with the emotional investment in this match. The, but he didn't even really talk about that. It was just kind of like it happened, and nobody really spoke to it. I felt like there was a missed opportunity there for sure. Did you guys have anything for pedantic fault finding? The placement of Drowning Pool in the middle of the show. Uh, I like. I love Tearaway. Great song. Good tune. Love it to this day. In the middle of the show, just it was kind of like, hmm. It was the only part of the show that felt like a dead spot. That's when I bought this. Uh huh. I left. That's the jersey he sold. Drowning out. Pool <laughs> to get the, the 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 WrestleMania 18, and I missed part of the Kane. Angle match because what of it. the hell side show? It took forever. Oh, you to missed get the beginning, <laughs> so you didn't know until you watched it back. It wasn't until I watched <laughs> it later. Now, <laughs> and you're like, wait a second, there was a bell later, shot there. There was something nefarious in this match. <laughs> Twenty years later, and I'm like, my god, everything I believed is wrong. What an injustice. <laughs> well, let's get to the three stars of the show. This one I think could be interesting because. There there were a lot of stars of this show, I thought. I think you have your obvious. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do them in order of one, two, three. So my number one star is gonna be Hogan just because of the way he he took over. The crowd gave everything to him and he took everything from them. He was like, Yep, I'm gonna eat this up. I'm gonna be Hulk Hogan again. Number two is the rock for allowing Hogan this is a weird one of those weird scenarios where the rock didn't try to overperform to become second star he held back to become second star in this he gave that yep. to Hulk Hogan to become the second star of the night the third star I'm going to give to Triple H a phenomenal match and the undisputed title was a pretty was a pretty cool thing and I think Triple H had so much um so much momentum behind him at this time coming back from the quad injury and and everything it's just I Triple H is my third star. Justin? I had a really hard time choosing my third star. My first star is Hollywood Hulk Hogan. My second star is The Rock. But when I got to number three, because there are so many star-making performances, I mean, you're right to say Triple H had a star-making performance. Um, you're you're right to, I mean, you could pick Rob Van Dam or William Regal. You could easily uh, pick any of the hardcore shenanigans because it was so entertaining. But for me, what I finally landed on was Ric Flair. Uh, I really thought that this was Ric Flair's comeback performance um, and what granted him the ability to have the run that he had in the early 2000s in WWE, which I also enjoyed. I don't think we would have evolution without WrestleMania 18 with The Undertaker and Ric Flair. So Ric Flair is my third star. Can I just say something before before you get to your three stars, Sam? I just I'm, I'm noticing something here in that we, you know, so far, Justin and I have both given Hogan the first star. Um, the other person that that Justin threw in his stars was Ric Flair. You could argue that we had two guys who were well past their prime 
that we're giving these stars to. Yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin has announced he's coming back to, to WrestleMania this year. And the amount of hate I'm seeing for this old man coming back is uh, is crazy to think that I don't recall ever thinking, oh, great, the old guy Hogan is going to steal the show or, oh, great, the old guy Ric Flair is going to be there. I just recently did a podcast um, about this. It was the first question that they asked. Uh, the and show. for me, yeah, shout out to the Hotter Show. Yeah, big props, man. Great host. Yeah. For for me, what it is is that Steve Austin had the perfect retirement match. Yeah, I agree. He yeah. he had the most perfect retirement match in professional wrestling history. But I also think that wrestling fans as a whole put a funny cognitation on the word retire. It, when when we say retire, that means never do it again. But when a carpenter retires, they still pick up a hammer. Yeah. When a school bus driver retires, he still gets behind the wheel. You know, when we say retire in wrestling, that means never wrestle again. So, you know, I, I we, we make fun of Terry Funk or Ric Flair or whoever for retiring and coming back a thousand times. I And I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin had the perfect retirement match, then I would, you know, I would say by all means, like come back and do it again because for that same reason that the carpenter still picks up the hammer, he's still Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I'm but he had he had the perfect retirement match. So I'm good. Like I don't care if it's a beatdown, I don't care if it's a brawl, I don't care if it's a beer bash, I don't care like what what you call it doesn't really matter. I just don't want it to be a match because he already had it. I'm I'm kind of with Justin that uh, WrestleMania 19 Rock Austin is my favorite match ever. Um, I dabbled in a little bit of wrestling, and uh, before the first match I had, I, I watched that match before I left the house because it's just that's if I could aspire anything, it's just that match entirely. And again, we didn't know that that was going to be Stone Cold's last match, and it was as Justin said, absolutely perfect. So I'm always excited when Stone Cold comes back, but it's just yeah, like it's just when you have that perfect sunset. Do you want to come back at again? Right. It's kind of like the HBK thing, honestly, at Crown Jewel is what makes me the most nervous because HBK also had a very good retirement match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 26. And then Crown Jewel was <laughs> what it was. So it's it's just I don't know. Is it worth it? Kind of is the the question. OK, so let's um uh, let to for, for the sake of continuing this this conversation here, let let's let's change my analogy of Stone Cold Steve Austin then. If Brock Lesnar comes back and people are like, oh, great, there's the there's the part timer who's who's stealing the show again. Now, granted, he is, you know, anytime he comes back, he's grabbing the title and 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 not showing up with it a lot. Um, But anytime a big name sort of comes back to be a part of WrestleMania sting. Sting and Triple H were a part of WrestleMania a few years ago, and people were like, oh, great, the old guys, everyone's going to, you know, they're, they're, there's a spot for some young guys, but they put these old guys in. I don't recall ever feeling that way with Ric Flair or with Hulk Hogan, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. So maybe Austin was a bad analogy. Well, the, the thing about Hollywood Hulk Hogan was he was still relatively active going into WrestleMania 18. Sure. It wasn't like Hogan had a... 10-year layoff or a 15-year layoff, and then he came back at WrestleMania 18. He was still relatively active right up until 
the end of WCW, there was about a year or maybe a year and a half layoff time there. And with Sting, the lion's share of his career took place in TNA where a number of wrestling fans didn't see him. Mm-hmm. So for him to come back at WrestleMania, it did feel like a 15-year-long layoff, despite the fact that he was still active with a different company. It was just a smaller company where a lot of people didn't see him work. Um, so for Steve Austin, having this long of a layoff. And I don't think for me, at least the anger is that Steve Austin is taking away a spot from a younger wrestler. Maybe it is, but I don't feel like it is it to me. It feels like he's had the perfect retirement. So, so why go back? Like this is not a knock on Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is great, but he's not the rock and he's not at WrestleMania 19. It's like, it, it just, to me, like, again, you can call it whatever you want. Just don't call it a match. Yeah, I think like just in the same thing, it's wrapping it up. It's why risk it kind of. Um, I will just say in terms of what you were saying, Sideshow, with Hogan and Flair, I was, you know, relatively new to wrestling. I was only a couple of years in at this point. And like, I obviously I knew Hogan and Ric Flair because of what they'd done, but they were kind of the WCW guys for me being like nine years old, right? Like I knew they worked for WWF at one point and they were, you know, mainstays, former champions, things like that. But they were kind of like, invading so to speak or coming over and like i hadn't really sunk my teeth into them so they didn't feel old they just felt like wcw still to me that being said your three stars sam uh kind of the same it's it's a boring list because sideshow already said it but like it's hard not to go with hollywood hogan first because the entire crowd shift and that's what everyone talks about 20 years later uh the rock especially taking a step back and you know kind of going into you know the heel of the match but then after when he wins and everything he kind of gets them back with coming back for the save for hogan and everything and then i did go with triple h for the third just because the the return and the rumble win and everything he it just it felt you've mentioned it in many other podcast just in the rocket on the back it felt like triple h was hanging on to that rocket at the time and it didn't slow down it was the end of an era it was the icon versus the icon it was sixty-eight thousand plus at the sky dome one of those people was not sam hudson yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is fun uh. <laughs> this is pods unknown <laughs> join us next week for wrestlemania 13 it's wrestlemania month on Pods Unknown. Every week we're going to have another uh, milestone WrestleMania. This week, uh, WrestleMania 18 turns 20 years old. WrestleMania 13 turns 25 years old next week. We'll also be Uh celebrating... Yeah, Uh I know. I know. We're also going to be celebrating WrestleMania 8 on its 30th anniversary. Might be my favorite WrestleMania. And are you ready for this? We're going to celebrate WrestleMania three on its 35th anniversary wow oh god how old you feel justin shut up that's how (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna be celebrating those week after week here on pods unknown make sure you click the uh the voice memo button you can send us a message that will that we could use in an episode whether you want to weigh in on one of the uh the, the the honors from this episode or next or one of the upcoming episodes i just mentioned if you have an honor you want to hand out do it go watch those shows send us your honors and we could use them in the show here on pods unknown this has been wrestlemania 18 my name is sideshow joined as always by sam hudson and justin kuzno thanks for joining me again guys hey thanks for having me i love this this is so much fun if you look really closely i think hurricane had a rope shut up don't take the magic boy